Welcome to Closer Look. I'm Maria Morgan. So you might have noticed we're heading into an election. Are you registered to vote? Wondering if you should bother? Let's ask Andrea Haley. She's CEO of Vote.org. Welcome to Closer Look, Andrea. Thank you. Thank you for having me. What does Vote.org do? At Vote.org, we are a one-stop shop for political engagement. So we can help people register to vote or to request their absentee ballot or verify that they're on the voter rolls. And so we just try to make that process really easy. We know that we have elections in this country that every state is in charge of their own elections. So there's different rules and regulations and it can get confusing for people. And at vote.org, all you have to do is go in, put your address, and we just take you through the registration process that's appropriate for your state. You can go straight to the site and you can see all the registration deadlines and dates. Um, and then you can take part in the process uh, yourself. So our goal is really just to get voters the information they need to participate, um, knowing that that information can change depending on what state you live in. I think it's notable that this is not a government organization. No, um, we hope to see the government, you know, um, create increasingly accessible sites for people. And we hope to see more states, you know, kind of update their sites and, and create sites that are really easy for people to use. Some states do have great state sites and other states don't. So that's kind of where we come into play is that no matter what state you live in, you can use Vote.org. You have tools and links at your website. Yes, at our website, you can go on and use the tools to verify your status, to register, to request your absentee ballot. Um, You could also use it to volunteer to become a poll worker. So that's pretty exciting. And then for any organization, we have free tools that are on our website. You can take the um, link for the tools and and just embed it on your site so you can start your own registration program, whether you're a company or a school or a church, you know, what, whatever it is that you have a website for, you can put our tools and those are free and people can go ahead and register to vote. And then people can opt in if they'd like to receive election reminders, um, which will remind people, you know, that the election is coming up and remind them what the voting information they need, you know, leading in the days right before the election. And so that is pretty exciting. And that's, those are the different resources that we offer. And then, of course, our Vote.org team is always happy um, to help people think through their voting plans and how they could be talking to people about their voting plans this year. Um, we also have a site, electionday.org, which people can go ahead and submit um, requests for us to talk to your company about having Election Day off, uh, paid day off, so that people can um, participate on Election Day. And there's other vote-friendly policies that we recommend that are also on that site. And this year, we've had 700 companies sign up with electionday.org. So we're really excited about it. You kind of want to be ahead of the deadlines, too, because um, this year, we are experiencing challenges, slow down in the United States Postal Service, um, and at the same time, obviously, the pandemic. And so it could be that if you want to request your absentee ballot, you need to do that, and you need to do it right now and not wait until the, the deadline um, so that there isn't a big rush all of a sudden on the amount of requests that come in right at the last second. And then, uh, you know, that could jeopardize an ability to, to service all those requests. So really, if you plan to vote by mail this year, you have to go and go to vote.org, use our vote by mail tool and get those requests in right away. Um, if you plan to go in person, you know, you may have early voting in your state. So you can look that up at vote.org. Just go to your state information and see if there's early voting and make a plan to go in for that. Um, and if you're going to go in, in person, 
you kind of want to know, are you going to do that early vote or are you going to do that on election day? Um, so you want to look up those deadlines in your state and make sure that you're ahead of it. I'm Maria Morgan. My guest is Andrea Haley of vote.org. We're taking a closer look at your right to vote. Vote.org has said that it would like to get 5 million people interested in going to the polls who might not have planned to go. You call them the low propensity voter. What would make someone reluctant to exercise that right? Um, I think a lot of things. I think that we don't really make it easy when you're a first-time voter to really understand the process. And, you know, we don't have a great on-ramp in our country for civic engagement. So, you know, access to information is always cited as one of the reasons why people don't participate in the process. And in 2016, we had 100 million Americans who did not participate. And so I think it's important to make sure that people have the information that they need and that it's right there um, at their fingertips. You know, young voters aren't going to be reached by either party. Um, Both parties tend to focus on what they call most likely voters. Um, And because of that, uh, there's a whole bunch of outreach that isn't going to people who are predetermined by campaigns as unlikely to um, participate. But that can mean anything from, you know, the fact, just the fact that you don't have a voting history. Um, You just turned 18 or, you know, something like that, and you're not going to have much of a voting history yet. So no one's going to reach out to you. And or, you know, it can mean that you're in an underserved community um, and that the majority of resources aren't going there uh, in the underserved communities to talk about voting. And especially this year, we know that elections are happening in the middle of a pandemic and that rules are changing in every state. We have 50 states who like to do things 50 different ways. <laughs> That's right. And that confusion can be a you know disincentivizing thing in and of itself. So really just putting it all out there, making it super clear what the rules are, how people can participate, where their polling location is, what kind of ID you'll need. Um, All these things change state to state. And so important to deliver that information because um, the only way you're going to get people from, you know, not voting to becoming a voter is to make sure that you arm them with all the information they need, show them how to make a voting plan and engage with the process. We focus on the Americans who haven't yet had their voice heard and we really want to make sure that they know how to participate so we can help maintain a healthy and thriving democracy. To set up the contrast, you mentioned there are groups that are most likely to vote. Who are the most likely to vote? Older voters um, are, you know, traditionally, you know, in the more likely to vote category. You know, they've got extensive voting histories, which means that campaigns are going to reach out. Um, there's, they're going to receive a lot of communication between now and election day around voting. A lot of resources are kind of allocated towards um, those who are the most likely to vote. And so really you see a huge generational um, divide. It's interesting because we know that once somebody, you know, comes out to vote twice, voting is a habit. And so then you'll have a lifelong voter. So we're really investing in the future by investing in, you know, how we can build lifelong voters. Do you see younger people getting engaged at higher rates than ever before? Yes, we are absolutely seeing um, an increase in youth engagement. And I think we saw that in the midterms. We had one of the largest youth turnouts that we've had in this country during the midterms. And it was interesting when that occurred, the average age of Congress dropped by a decade as well. So I think that we'll probably... See that again. We know that those voters from the midterms will most likely 
you know, come back out again. And then um, I think it's important to note that millennials, you know, millennials and the generation under them make up the largest voting block in America at this point in time. The real question is just, will they show up to vote? I had this assumption that it was elderly white men, but it's not. No, yeah, it's not. I mean, I think that it's just, you know, whether or not young people show up to vote. And it becomes important because if you're the largest voting block in America now um, and you're disincentivized from the process, then what does that mean for the long term? So it's, it's crucial to our country that we make sure that young people have access to the information they need, that we're on-ramping them the way they need to be on-ramped, that we're providing support and that we're building lifelong voters. I mean, really, the, the, having a healthy democracy depends on that. And so I think that we're on the right path uh, in general. So that's, that's pretty exciting. I'm Maria Morgan. My guest is Andrea Haley of vote.org. Of course, we're on the final stretch of election 2020, and we're taking a closer look at your right to vote. You know, I'm wondering if since your goal is to register all parties, all points of view, any American who has a right to vote, and some of those votes are obviously going to cancel each other out on election day. Why is it still important to vote? Um, It's important to vote because, you know, voting is really how you have your voice. It is the ability to um, either support or hold accountable a candidate. And without people voting and without many people exercising um, their voice, then we just won't have a a healthy democracy. Um, And a democracy is a fundamental principle that, you know, I think we can all agree on. And so it's important, you know, and what a lot of people don't realize is that you know, yes, we have a big presidential election coming up um, and everybody has, you know, lots to say about that. But really, like your vote matters in your local elections, too, like all the way down the ballot. The person who is sitting in your mayor's office, who your city council members are, um, all of those things are, are really highly likely to affect your daily life. It comes down to which businesses are allowed to open or not open, which parks are built or not built, how many schools uh, the county has, uh, all all sorts of things that affect an individual. Yes, where your community budgets are going to be allocated. All of that's going to affect an individual. It's going to affect uh, your family. It's going to affect your neighbors. It's going to affect your neighbor's neighbors. You know, I mean, it, it has um, direct impact on your daily life. There are lots of things um, that if you really take a step back and think about, there are lots of community rules and standards that are affecting your life every day. And so kind of thinking through, you know, what what's important to you and what's important to your um, family and having a voice in what's going on in your community. And yeah, it affects your schools and your health care. And it, it affects just about everything um, when you stop to think about it. So we wouldn't want to disempower ourselves and disempower our voice by not participating. So you kind of want to have a say in what's happening in your community and you want to make sure that you're using your voice and your vote really is that mechanism. That's how you can voice um, how you feel about what's going on in your local community and how you can get behind things. And so it's really important to remember that a lot of elections come down to, you know, especially on the local level, there are a ton of elections that come down to a thousand votes or less. So it really does matter and kind of making sure that you get out there and um, help create the community that you want to participate in. 
you've said that the most common reason that people are reluctant to vote is that they just don't have the information that they need and they're not being courted by the parties because they are typically, uh, they typically focus on the older voters. Are there other reasons that people might be reluctant? Yep, absolutely. Um, Transportation becomes an issue for people. Having time off of work becomes an issue. Uh, We have an an initiative at vote.org called Paid Election Day Off, where we encourage employers to give paid time off. When people see long lines and things like that because of all the poll closures that have happened, that's, you know, disincentivizing. Not everyone can stand there um, for that long. And so, uh, you know, we're doing our best to also help recruit poll workers this year and have more polling locations open all across the country. Yeah, there there's a whole bunch of reasons why people um, don't participate, work and school being, you know, at the top of that list as, long, as well as transportation and, you know, the convenience of voting. I think we're seeing a lot of people this year, you know, a lot of states have given and provided increased options for how people can participate with COVID being a valid excuse to cast your vote by mail. Um, in many states, you know, I think people are learning that there are a few different ways by which you can have your voice heard. And it's just important to pick one, stick with it and, and have your voting plan in place. But hopefully in the long term, people will see that with increased options and, you know, that, that voting is fun. It doesn't have to be difficult and it can be something that's um, easy in many states. So those are some of the top reasons why people don't participate. But You know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. We don't have currently systems in place that really imagine like, what would it look like to get to 80% voter turnout in this country and work back from there? We kind of tell voters like, here's a whole series of hoops that you have to jump through to get to election day when really, you know, the other thing that everybody should remember is that election officials work for the public. So they should administer elections in a way that makes it easy for people to navigate and participate in. And so I think that long term, there's a great conversation to be had about um, what does it really look like to have an increase in in accessibility, uh, making it, you know, making it easy for more people to vote. Mail-in ballots are hot topic this particular election. Is Vote.org concerned at all about fraud, particularly about those mail-in ballots? No. I mean, one in four voters in 2016 cast their vote by a mail-in ballot. Many states across the country have mail-in ballot systems like Colorado and Washington and Hawaii. And so Utah, we know that their elections are run very smoothly. Um, And, you know, I think that the most important thing is to provide as much access for voters um, as possible Absentee voting, um, you know, is allowed in every state in our country. And so we are going to see an increase this year in vote by mail. Um, And I think that's a good thing in the middle of the pandemic. It means that people have options between um, how they want to have their voice heard and however you vote. um, These systems are are safe and secure. and, And we have elections officials all around this country that are doing a really great job at preparing for an increase in vote by mail this year. Vote.org also works to prevent voter suppression. What are you on the lookout for in 2020? I mean, I think the biggest thing is, you know, just making sure that um, access is there. We, I think we saw somewhere, it was upwards of 600 polling locations closed on the southeastern seaboard in 2016. That's, that means that it's more difficult for people to, you know, get to where they need to go, know what their polling location is, and cast their ballot. And so that is always poll closures or changing around polling locations at the last minute. 
things like that um, are always of concern. Misinformation is a huge concern, especially, you know, in the current environment we live in. Um, so we try to, you know, that's why we like to remain a trusted source for where people, you know, can get their voting information. Let's see what other big things are we concerned about when it comes to suppression. You know, intimidation at the polls is something that we're on the lookout for. And people should know that at vote.org at the top of our website, if you encounter any problems at the polls, um, there's a phone number for election protection. Um, and so should absolutely take that with you, that number with you on election day. Those are some of the main concerns that we have. We just hope that there are enough locations to service the number of people who want to participate. I'm Maria Morgan. My guest is Andrea Haley of vote.org. Andrea, what do you think the founding fathers would think of your work? I'm assuming as CEO, you've, you have some historical perspective. Well, I think our founding fathers believed in a, in setting up a system of democracy. And I think the conversation that we're having right now is one of like, how healthy is that democracy going to be? And what is the future of that democracy going to look like? They were sort of fleeing an authoritarian kind of model. So I think that I would hope that our founding fathers would be excited. I would hope that they would want to see a democracy thrive. I, I think it would probably be very difficult for them to, um, you know, understand the tech platform that is now helping people in all 50 states across the country um, to vote and texting a platform that allows everybody to have election information that they need and email information that they need um, to vote. But I would hope um, that they would see that we're really excited about the org to do our patriotic duty and making sure that our democracy stands.